a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome to Podcast on the Brink, your weekly dose of Indiana basketball news and discussion, brought to you by the Assembly Call and Inside the Hall. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Join me live at assemblycall.com every Thursday night and immediately following every IU game for our live IU postgame show. And visit insidethehall.com for complete coverage of IU basketball and to join the discussion in the Inside the Hall premium forum. On this week's edition of Podcast on the Brink, it is me, it is Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall, and we're going to spend some time looking ahead to Indiana's game against Wisconsin on Saturday. Obviously, that game is also senior day for Devontae Green and Deron Davis, so we will talk about their careers, talk about the Big Ten race, talk about what's ahead for Indiana in the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully, fingers crossed, the NCAA tournament as well. Uh, just a wide-ranging conversation on all of the important current topics in the world of Indiana basketball. That is coming your way here in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, we got to talk about home field apparel because these guys continue to do amazing work when it comes to Indiana apparel. And if you haven't been to their site recently, you're going to want to go there because they've got some new shirts and they've specifically got some new basketball-themed shirts. So they put one out about a week ago. It's kind of a 90s-inspired design, a really interesting look. But the one that they put out yesterday, uh, it's awesome. Like, you've seen the script Indiana, but there was a script Hoosiers uh, that Indiana actually had on some shooting shirts, I think, back in the early 70s. You can go to the IU Artifacts uh, feed. He's got a tweet about it uh, recently. But they put that script Hoosiers on a shirt. It is sharp. It looks nice. So I will definitely be getting that. Uh, you should get it too. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Check that out. Of course, you know it's printed on their comfortable material. The material is so great. It's comfortable the moment you get it out of the package. You wear it. You wash it. It stays comfortable. And, of course, the unique designs. This is Homefield's niche. They've been doing it for universities across the country. And, obviously, we're really lucky as IU fans because they're IU grads. IU is their first school. They have more IU stuff than anybody else. So just such a great assortment of unique logos on comfortable material. And now they've got new stuff. So you have every single reason to go to homefieldapparel.com again. You have no reason to not go. 
But if you need a little more enticement, use the promo code BRINK. B-R-I-N-K. You'll get 20% off your entire order. So order stuff for yourself. Order stuff for friends. Order stuff for family members. Just order like five extra things and take it to Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday and hand out shirts. You know, come on. It's March. This is festive. Let's go. Uh, but homefieldapparel.com, promo code BRINK. You'll get 20% off. So much great stuff there. All right. Here we go. Let's talk IU basketball. Alex Bozich, me. Here we go. All right. Uh, very excited to be joined by Alex Bozich from Inside the Coal on this episode of Podcast on the Brink. Alex, Nate Reavers will be inside of Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday. Are you going to be able to contain yourself? It's a big day for you. I will, and I'm. I, I've come onto this podcast. I want to know kind of what you're thinking now. Is um, <clears throat> one of the? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but aren't you one of those who thought that Wisconsin maybe under Greg Gard wasn't going to work out? Is that accurate to 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 put um, to put on you? And, and if, if 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 no, kind of where were you on Wisconsin uh, just as a program, and where are you now? I mean, I don't know that I necessarily would have said that I was out on Greg Gard. I mean, you know, if we're if we're being fair and, and looking at what they've done, you know, we remember what Wisconsin was under Bo Ryan. And Bo Ryan right. is he's one of the best coaches in Big Ten history. So mm-hmm. you can't expect a coach to just come in and replicate that. You know, but you look at what Gard's done his five years there, thirteen losses, ten losses, eighteen losses. Last year they're obviously twenty three and eleven. And this year twenty and ten. And this year has been interesting because they really struggled early on. And we're six and six in conference play. And now they've run off this string of victories with this interesting narrative where, you know, Michael Potter comes in as a transfer becomes eligible, but then their leading scorer in Big Ten play, Kobe King, goes out. And it, you mm-hmm. know, it really looked like addition by addition and addition by subtraction uh, for them. And so, look, he's obviously done a really good job of holding the team together this year. I think it, you know, it helps that he's got experienced guards, you know, that that can kind of help you smooth out that transition. And they've they've done a good job. I do think it's important to note that you know you look at this seven game stretch that they've had, and it's impressive. But if you just take Indiana's results from this year, Indiana would have been five and two in this same stretch. You know, Wisconsin has beaten Northwestern. They've beaten Nebraska. They won at home against Minnesota. Home against Rutgers. Those are four of the 10 easiest matchups that you can get in the Big Ten. So Mm -hmm. very impressive to go beat Michigan by seven on the road. Impressive to beat Purdue at home in comparison to what Indiana did to them. And, you know, impressive to beat Ohio State. So to answer your question, I think he's done a really good job this year. Um, You know, and I guess it just depends on what your expectations are for Wisconsin. You know, I don't think under guard they're going to get back to being what they were. But they're a solid... They're a solid second-tier Big Ten program right now. So if that's yeah, what you want from that. them, then that's then that's good. It's I mean they're yeah, better I than think, where Indiana is right now. You know so. Yeah, I mean I think the whole problem was kind of with the whole narrative that it wasn't going to work out. It was it was basically like you're comparing him to Bo Ryan, which I don't know that they're ever going to get back to that consistently. Uh, that's a pretty high bar that he set. Obviously, had a lot of really good players. Was good for a really long time, but I think for them, um, you know, if they're going to continue to recruit like they do, and, and I mean, in a lot of ways, guard is is just an extension of Bo Ryan, just maybe not as high of a ceiling. So I think if they're happy with kind of 
being where they are. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's impressive the job he's done, particularly kind of the, the mid season, um, turmoil that they, that they underwent. Um, I don't know how much of that was self-inflicted in terms of, uh, how he runs his program but obviously there were some issues there that had to be addressed and Kobe King leaving was a big deal but you know you have to give him you know the thing I I say about Wisconsin is the style of play as much as people other Big Ten fan bases like to rail against it and say how horrible it is to watch ultimately if they do it well it's it's hard to it's hard to play against and it's hard to beat because, you know, it's so based on, you know, a disciplined brand of basketball that is kind of as a, as an opposing team is infuriating to play against. That's one of the things that I think is going to be interesting and fascinating to watch in the Indiana game tomorrow is, you know, they make, they make you guard them for so long on possessions that they're just kind of keying in on, on things like you breaking down mentally and just one mistake. So it takes a lot of preparation, a lot of mental, um, preparation to play against them so um i'm not all in on greg guard as in terms of you know he's the he's going to be there for 20 or 25 years um but i will just say that i I respect the fact that um, they've continued to kind of play the same way that they did under bo ryan and uh regardless of what you think of the style of play a lot of people hate it Uh, i don't i personally would not want to cover uh that type of basketball uh, year round or watch it but when I do watch them play, I, I do have a level of respect because you look at the talent on their team. If they get a share of the Big Ten title, I look at that roster. Is there? There's not one guy on it. I don't think that's going to play in the NBA, right? I mean, do you see one player? On, do you see anybody on that team that's going to play in the NBA? And and in the NBA, no, probably not. So, I mean, that's he's done a pretty good job with with what he's got. Now that the, the challenge begin becomes. You know, can they continue to kind of hit on the guys that they've been successful with over the long period of time? And can they mix in a guy like a in the future, like get another impact player like a Sam Decker or develop another guy like a Frank Kaminsky? I would I would tend to side on the side of no, it's probably unlikely that they have players that good again, but they have, uh, to their credit, uh, made the most of, of what they what they do have. It is just funny, though, how the timing of wins and losses and the grouping of wins and losses can affect Mm -hmm. the narrative of a season, you know, because everybody is lionizing Wisconsin right now. And I get it. Like they've moved themselves into a tie for first place in the big 10. Like they have had a successful big 10 season, you know, but they're 20 and 10 overall. They lost, you know, they lost to New Mexico in the, you know, early in the season and lost to Richmond too, right? Yeah. They lost to Richmond. So, I mean, they, you know, their entire body of work, is not that much more impressive than what Indiana has put together, you know? And, yeah. and if Indiana, again, they if you... Some, they had some really good Big Ten road wins, though, Yes, right? no, no. That's kind of what's... They have, they have. and But it's just, it's interesting that you put this stretch together so they win this big streak of games. And we always, I feel like we always tend to overreact to streaks, mm-hmm. you know? And I understand why, because you're in the moment, and it's like, my God, they've won seven in a row. Are they ever going to lose again? And let's talk about that because I think this is a this is a really important game for them, obviously, and it's a really important game for Indiana. I think Indiana's in a pretty good spot for the NCAA tournament, but if they win this, you're basically guaranteed to make it. And now you're talking about right. seeding. You know, you can obviously knock Wisconsin out of contention for the Big Ten title. It's your only chance to get out of the Wednesday game is you have to win this, and then Purdue has to lose to Rutgers. It's senior day. Like there's just there's a lot of reasons why I think this is a big opportunity for Indiana. And 
when you look at the challenge that Wisconsin is going to present, we under you know this has been a thing going on now for two decades where Indiana has struggled with Wisconsin. So we understand the big picture why this is a challenging matchup because it's a challenging matchup for for anybody. But I think when you when you look at this in particular, the way that they play offensively, they've got the two big guys in Potter and Reavers. And I don't watch them enough to know how often those guys play together. But, you know, just the fact that they they have those two guys, you know, they can obviously move and face the basket. They shoot threes. They're not always anchored to the block. That's a big challenge for a team that is going to start Joey Brunk, you know, is hopefully going to have Deron Davis play some minutes. And you've got Trace Jackson Davis on a bit of a hobbled foot. You know, Indiana's defensively, I think you're going to need a big day from Race Thompson guarding those guys and getting out in space. But then they also surround those guys with really capable three-point shooters. They've taken the second most threes in Big Ten play, and they've made the second highest percentage. They're very prolific from the three-point line. So these are the types of teams offensively that have really caused problems for Indiana when you have big men that can step away from the basket and you can spread Indiana out with three-point shooters and you don't turn the ball over, so Indiana can't get a lot of transition baskets. That is that is a matchup Indiana has had trouble with. And so I think defensively, they're going to have to be a lot tighter than they were against Minnesota because whereas Minnesota will beat itself, and I think in Indiana's two games with Minnesota, the Hoosiers have played well, but Minnesota's also helped by making a lot of mistakes and missing easy looks. Wisconsin doesn't profile as a team that's going to do that. And so I think Indiana's got to continue the offensive gains they've made over the last 80 minutes, which I think have been real and we can talk about. But defensively, to me, that's really where Indiana has got to be tighter, more locked in. They they've got They can't allow Wisconsin to get comfortable from the three-point line, and they have to balance it with the big guys being able to cover Reavers and Potter. And I, certainly they can do it, and I expect Indiana to win this game, but that is a defensive challenge that I really look forward to seeing how they, if they adapt anything system-wise and lineup-wise, which sometimes Archie does and sometimes he doesn't, and just to see how they, how they confront that because it's going to be a major challenge. Yeah, I mean, that was really the story of the first game. I know Kobe King had a great game, but Reavers, um, maybe arguably his first, his best or second best game of the year, I think he had 20 points. And a lot of that was just him go, getting to spots and getting open away from the basket and making shots. It wasn't like uh, he's a back-to-the-basket back player that you're going to throw the ball to. The same thing with Potter. He can step out and hit the three, too. So this is a game where where I think you may see Deron Davis for a little bit, um, or you may see some Joey Brunk. This to me, this is more of a Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson game because you got to have I guys agree. that can move around on the floor. Um, if Nate Reavers sees Joey Brunk uh, guarding him, he's his eyes are probably going to light up because he's going to say, "I can get this guy 18 feet from the basket, or I can get behind the three point line." He's not going to be able to challenge my shot, and if he does, I'm going to go around him because I can dribble the ball a little bit. The other thing I'll say is, and, and this is something I mentioned uh, in the preview, is Rob Fennessy didn't play the first time uh, yep. in Madison. And he is a, um, you know, there, there's a lot of times now when I'm watching games and things aren't going right for, for Indiana and I look over and he's not on the court and I'm wondering why is he not on the court? Well, sometimes more than he, than he is. And I don't know if it's still going back to his injuries or just kind of whatever reason there seems to be a, a cap on the minutes he's playing. But this is a game where, Rob Finnessy is going to have to play well because he's Indiana's best guy in terms of putting pressure on the ball, I feel like. And there was no pressure on the ball in Wisconsin. They got the ball wherever they wanted to get it on the court. They shot open shots all day. It wasn't like, you know, it was a stretch of the game where Wisconsin kind of just 
destroyed Indiana. It was like a full, complete domination. It was 1.35 points per possession. It was never really a game uh, after early in the second half. Indiana's got to do better. It's not just the big guys spreading the court. It's the other three guards and and guys they can put on the court. I mean, uh, Pritzel obviously is a really good three-point shooter. Brad Davison's capable of getting going. Indiana's got to be able to account for all those guys and pressure them. Um, You know, that – I think Davison over his last six games has hit 17 threes. Trice has hit 16. That's that's a lot of – you mentioned they they take a ton of three-pointers and they make a ton of three-pointers. Uh, Indiana's not going to be um, a team that's going to be able to keep up with, with them in terms of making three-pointers. So I think they're going to have to just defend at a, at a totally different level that we've, that, that, than what we saw. And, and – and, I think Indiana has grown a lot, obviously, since that game. They're going to be at home. They're going to have the crowd behind them. It should be a great atmosphere. There's plenty to play for. Um, I, you know, it's it's to me. I agree. You know, if Indiana wins, they're in. There's no question. They lose, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start to you start to think about doomsday in terms of what could happen if they don't take care of business in the Big Ten tournament. And based on their history, you don't want to ever bank on something good happening in the big 10 tournament because it never really has, but you know, it's, it's, I mean, in terms of going into the final weekend of the regular season, uh, just in the big 10 in general, and this game is obviously a big part of it. You can't really ask, you know, based on how great the season's been overall and how competitive it's been, what, what more can you ask for than, you know, three different teams having a chance to, to get a piece of the title as, as we go into this final stretch of play here. I can ask for Indiana to be one of those three teams. It would well, make it a lot, make it a lot more yeah. fun. Well, they have a chance. Uh, they have a chance to stop a team from winning. I right? know. I mean, it's not like this is, you know, some meaningless game. I mean, Wisconsin's going to come. They're, they're coming in with their ready to give their best shot. So Indiana's going to have to play well. And the other thing I'll say about just kind of this game in general, um, I I don't necessarily think Indiana has to win to make the tournament, but w- wouldn't it be nice? I think if you're an IU fan and somebody that you know, follows this on a game by game basis. Wouldn't it be nice to be kind of surging into the tournament rather than backing your way in? Yes. This is a game, I think, from a momentum standpoint, if you're going to go make a run in Indianapolis, you know, you're at home to close the regular season, take care of business, get yourself a little bit of momentum, make yourself feel good. I mean, really the, the Illinois game, they played well enough to win. They didn't win the game, but they did. Then they beat Minnesota. All of a sudden you beat, Wisconsin on Saturday and you're feeling good going into any maybe you get to Friday or Saturday who knows but just don't I don't think you ever want to be uh, a team that's you have to where you're going to in terms of getting in the tournament you don't want to have to rely on you know all the regular season conference champs taking care of business and all of a sudden people are talking about your net rankings in the fifties, just go out and win the game and then you're in and you don't have to worry about any of the other chatter that's inevitably going to be happening over the next week. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, and, and I think as we, you know, kind of wrap up the discussion of Wisconsin, you know, we talked about what Indiana is going to have to do defensively on the offensive end, you know, Wisconsin's a, they're a good defensive team. They're not an elite defensive team. And I think for Indiana there, you know, I think you've got to take advantage of Trace Jackson Davis's athletic ability over Potter and Reavers. Those are guys who can block shots. They've obviously got size. They're smart defenders. But Trace mm-hmm. is a better athlete. And Indiana's done a much better job of getting him the ball in space, like on the move, actually, which I think has helped him. Um, 
And then, you know, you talked about Rob Finnessy, whose role I think is going to be so important. And we've seen him the last couple of games really attack more, get into the defense, finish at the rim. Got to do that. And then, you know, to me, two guys that are really, really big in this game are Al Durham and Devontae Green. You know, Al's offense the last two games, I feel like it's been two of the better offensive games we've seen from him. And Indiana really seems committed to running actions for him, running him off screens, getting him, you know, with catch and shoot opportunities or going downhill. And when he has the right mentality, like he did in the second half against Minnesota, he's really taking advantage of it. You know, there's a part of me that when you start looking at the matchups and how I feel like the game is going to go, I kind of feel like the game is going to come down to Devonte green. I really feel like he's the difference maker in a game like this. Cause I think Indiana is going to need to make threes because Wisconsin's going to make some and they're going to need to get some scoring from the backcourt. And I think Devontae is that guy off the bench. We know how important he can be in games like this. It's his senior day. His family's going to be there. We know that's been a good sign in the past. And I just I just kind of feel like this is going to be a game where he comes off the bench and knocks down a bunch of shots, and that's going to be the difference, as it so often is when Indiana gets big wins like this. Because I think Wisconsin's going to score on Indiana. Like, I think... I, I just think they'll be able to be relatively efficient, and I think Indiana's going to have to score points with them, and I think some of that's going to have to come from Devontae. And he's he's also been a guy that has, you know, when he hasn't had a big game, you know, or has really struggled shooting one game, especially at home, has come back the next game. So there are some historical signs pointing to him playing well, but I kind of look at it as the X factor. I think if he comes out and has one of those 15, 18-point games, Indiana wins. If he's eight or nine points and it takes him 10, 11 shots to get there, I don't think Indiana's going to win. So I realize that's not like huge breaking news for an Indiana game because we've seen that a lot this year. But in this game, particularly based on how I kind of see the matchups going, I really feel like it's going to come down to that. Yeah, I've given up on my um, on predicting on of when Devontae Green's going to play well versus when he's not going to play well, because it's just basically impossible to do at this point. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it kind of feels like it's setting up for a solid performance for him based on some of the things that you just said. It's his final final game in Assembly Hall. Uh, assuming Indiana makes the NCAA tournament, it's um it's a matchup where I don't feel like he should be overwhelmed by anybody that he's going up against, right? It's not like he's going to be going up a bunch of big athletic guys that are going to be able to hound him and put pressure on the ball. It's it's more of just making the solid smart basketball play. Um, and I feel like at times he's embraced that this year. And then it almost, he, he's almost like if he hits his first shot, um, then all of a sudden his, his confidence changes. But if he starts missing a couple, you almost have to pull him out immediately. But I agree with you on Durham because I think he's been doing a really good job recently of getting the ball into the paint. And I, I feel like this is a team that he can do that against because as, as I mentioned, um, nothing, nothing against Wisconsin, they're just not the most athletic guys in terms of staying in front of people on the perimeter. Al's going to have a little room probably to operate on the perimeter too. If he can knock down a couple threes, that would be huge. Uh, and I, th I just think Rob being back gives them um, a pretty big boost. I mean, the first game you look at the box score, they played Demise Anderson 20 minutes. He's basically a non-factor now. Not Armand started that game. Armand, Armand started. Friend. And that was a freshman going into the Cole Center in his first road game of his college career that was obviously not an ideal situation so i race thompson's a totally different player now than he was back then uh jerome hunter is more comfortable um 
and, and yeah, he's another guy to me. If he can come in and make a couple shots and, and be active defensively, he's a game changer potentially. Yeah. So I just think Indiana's in a much better place as a team. Now, Wisconsin is obviously in a really good place as a team. They've won seven in a row, but they're different too uh, than they were the first time. You know, Kobe King just completely destroyed Indiana that first game, and he's now transferred to Nebraska. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think. I think it's going to be an. I, I agree with you that both teams are going to score uh, a pretty. Uh, on a, on a pretty efficient uh, level, we'll just see if Indiana is able to kind of muster up enough stops and get enough runs to win. Because I think I, I don't think it's going to be a game where either team runs away with it. I think it's going to be one of those uh, back and forth where it comes down to who makes uh, you know the, the the critical plays at the critical time. Yeah, I agree. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk a little bit about Devontae and Duran, uh, because it is their senior day. You know, their their final game at home you know, such interesting careers for those two guys. I mean, you know, they kind of bridged the gap from Tom Crean to Archie Miller. They've shown fra- flashes of brilliance, but also, you know, have done enough to really frustrate you and, and also just kind of, you know, make you lament what might have been, especially for Duran, given the injuries that he's had and some of the physical limitations. What are what are kind of your lasting thoughts about, you know, their time at Indiana? Obviously, they still have time to kind of rewrite their legacy, which, you know, getting into the NCAA tournament would be a big part of it so that they're not the first four-year seniors to miss the NCAA tournament, you know, since the late 60s. Um, so, you know, so they've got a chance to do some things here down the stretch. But, you know, checkered careers, certainly, with some some flashes of individual brilliance. But how how are you going to remember their time at Indiana? I'll start with Duran because I know him better as a player and uh, maybe even to uh, – a lesser extent as a person just from following his recruitment and meeting him for the first time when he was a freshman in high school. I think the thing that people are going to look back on with him is um, there was, I think some potential that he didn't reach. And I think, I don't, I think a lot of it was out of his control um, because of the injury situation and the fact that, you know, he, he, he never really got a shot um, early in his career at being uh, you know a healthy healthy player and I think ultimately that kind of limited his ceiling and his ability to kind of develop over his career it was like you know he took a step forward and then he would take two steps back because something would happen with an injury um, but he's one of the better post passers that I can remember seeing uh, in recent years in Indiana he's very good at that um, obviously his his limitations athletically have limited kind of his um his upside but in terms of his craftiness and and moves around the basket he's he's always been really good at that stuff too so i'll remember him uh, from that standpoint as as just a guy who is you know i I think you know i don't want to say um disappointing but I, i think you're going to look back on him and say, what if he, what if he would have stayed healthy? What would it have looked like? I don't know that he was ever going to be an NBA player um, because he had so many 
kind of in, in the modern game, um, just there's not really a role for a guy that's doesn't run the floor very well and, and just kind of is is basically operating exclusively out of the post. But but Duran, you know, a, a very talented player. Um, from my interactions with him, uh, just a really uh, engaging guy, a lot of uh, fun to talk to. Um, I think someone that's probably been uh, well liked by most of his teammates. And, and I think people will remember him fondly, obviously, but I, I think it'll always be, you know, what, what, what would it, what would have happened if he didn't get injured? Devonte, um, I think fans are going to show him a, a lot of appreciation this weekend um, because th- there is a lot of appreciation for, you know, the moments that he's had he, in many ways. Um, I think he's kind of been asked to do a lot of things over the course of his four years that maybe he wasn't best suited to do. He's not a point guard, but yet he's acting as one at times. Um, he's probably um, best suited as, you know, being a 15 to 20 minute guy off the bench is it's kind of what he's kind of um, grown into now in, in his final year. But uh, it always seems like with this team specifically in, in, in to an extent last year's team, there was a lot of, you know, if things aren't going well, he was the guy that got a lot of the blame for it. And I don't know if it was always fair um, because, you know, he was go back and look at his profile as a recruit. He wasn't a blue chip four or five star kid. He was kind of one of those guys that, that really uh, a lot of schools passed on and, and Tom Crean saw something in him, I think because of his, kind of ability to be cre- creative off the dribble and shoot the ball. He probably figured he would be able to bring him in and use him off the bench as a guy who can be like a leader of a second unit, but that wasn't really always his role. Um, and, and obviously there's been a lot of great storytelling uh, going back to last year, end of the season, uh, the job that Eddie did on that story for the Hoosier network and kind of learning more about Devonte. Um, and, and I think it's important that we remember with all these guys. And I think there's just, you know, I went back yesterday and I was watching some of the old or uh, some of the episodes. Uh, the Big Ten Network on their YouTube channel has like a seven or eight minute clip of all the journey episodes for this year. So I was going back with Colin and I was with my son. I was I showed him the one on Mike Watkins because you know there I thought it was important uh, from a mental health standpoint and kind of where Mike Watkins came from. I was just trying to show an example of hey, this is how good you have it growing up. Um, and I think we can kind of draw the same parallel there with Devonte. I mean, he had a tough upbringing. Uh, he mm-hmm. he's he's often been criticized, and, and we and and we gotta we gotta look at these people um, in, in any walk of life, and you gotta have a little empathy for their circumstances and realize that um, they're human beings too. Like I, I know you want him to do good as a basketball player. I know you want him to make a shot. I know it, it's frustrating when he makes a turnover, but he's also at at the end of the day just another person like 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 all of us and um i'm glad that we were able to learn all the things about him that we were because i think it makes um it it just kind of makes us understand the full picture of a person more when we can do that and 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 i've always said jared we've talked about this a lot i wish i you would do that more because i think when your fans connect on a more of a personal level with the with the players i'm not saying give every detail of their life but there's a different connection between a fan base and a player when they know their backstory. It's easy to get pissed off at if you're a fan of the game when Devontae Green takes a 27-foot shot and misses it and then comes back down in turnover. But if you know more about who he is as a person and kind of what he's gone through, I think it creates just a different 
um, glimpse uh, at, at a person and you realize, hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't life or death. I mean, this is, you gotta, you gotta remember that, that all these guys and even Duran to an extent, I mean, he had a, you know, a different um, experience as, as a child than, than many of us did. And I don't, you know, from my understanding, didn't grow up with a father around. And it's just, you know, th- these guys, I think you have to be um, respectful of, of that. And you also have to look at them and see how they've grown over these four years as people. And I think both of them have kind of, shown that you know they're you know they're going to make mistakes they're going to have their their ups and downs but ultimately you hope that they leave indiana both with a degree and you hope they leave as better people and and kind of are able to i've heard them both talk about i think they both want to go on and do something with kids ultimately after they get done playing basketball so i think that's something if you're an iu fan you got to be proud of but I, i i just i just want people to kind of you know i already know people are going to say Dron davis he was injured never fulfilled his potential Devonte green you know so hard to watch at times because of stuff he did but maybe take a step back and look at it a different way and say hey there's there's other things that we can think about with these guys and and remember them for than just basketball and, and maybe some of the things that they've overcome over the course of their life should be at the top of the list not their basketball accomplishments yeah no that was that was really really well said i mean we need to do that with all these guys you know and i think especially right. when guys are here for four years and they're about to have their senior day. That's a great time to stop and think about that. You know, they, I'm sure both of them would probably say that their <clears throat> careers haven't exactly gone how they envisioned it. You know, number one, they didn't get to play for the coach they came here for, and that's always difficult. Right. You know, and you can say, well, then, you know, why didn't they transfer? Why didn't this or that happen? Well, that's, that's not always that easy to do, you know, and they wanted to give the new coach a chance and vice versa. And even that might not Maybe have worked out. Maybe they just liked like IU they wanted. and yeah. wanted to stay and be part of it. I mean, exactly. It is a lot of people that have. It felt that way whether they're not they're basketball players or not yeah and you know i think with i think with duran you know we we've seen him be the player that he was supposed to be like there's a reason why he was almost a mcdonald's all-american the skill like you talked about one of the best passing big men we've seen this year he can step out and make that 15 foot shot kind of wish he'd been doing that more because we you know mm-hmm. he, he was kind of known as a guy who could, who could do that in high school He's 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 not good in space defensively, but he's still a guy who gets steals, he gets blocks. He's you know been a decent defensive rebounder. We've seen it in flashes. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy and stay on the court. The thing with Devonte is it feels like it's been four years of everybody wanting him to change and be something different. And I understand that on one respect because you do you have to buy into a team concept and you got to do some of those things. And you know Indiana fans like a guy who can make a spectacular play when you're making the fundamental play eight out of 10 times and Devontae's more of a guy that's going to do that five out of 10 times, you know, it's just his style. But when you go back and look at how he was described as a recruit, it is exactly what he's been as a player. And so, you know, if you're going to recruit a guy and invite him into your program and you want him enough to give him a scholarship, that's the player you're getting. Like, again, you want a guy to grow, develop, evolve, all of that stuff. But there does need to be some understanding that this is the player that he is. And it's been an awkward fit at times. And other times it's been, again, he's just gone off. And and again, I think some of the criticism of him has been fair, obviously. And we've done some of it. But I don't think there's also been enough understanding or coming to the middle of kind of understanding his side of it, looking at it from his perspective, and just being fair to say, you know, he has certain attributes as a player that are just going to be there. 
And you're just not going to be able to change those things. And it does feel like he's had to try to play, you know, suppress his own natural instinct some. That can't be a comfortable thing out there on the court. And then sometimes when he tries to do what feels right, it works sometimes, it doesn't. You know, I think at times, you know, you see him being the guy chucking the ball up at the end of the shot clock. And it's like, well, and, and I've even mentioned it. It's like, you know, I wonder if he sometimes likes these possessions at the end of the shot clock. Well, the alternative perspective may be they just throw it to him because they know he's the guy willing to take the shot. And that's kind of killed some of his stats because he's had to take some of those shots. Like I just, I think it's a big ball of gray, I guess is what I'm saying. And too often the reaction to Devontae is black or white. And I just don't, I, I think he's, the, I, I think there's been some unfair treatment of him, you know, by the fan base. And it, it's difficult, I know, but you know, you mentioned he's a three-star recruit. Do you realize that if Indiana plays enough games and he goes on one of his hot scoring streaks, He's got an outside chance to be a thousand point score in an Indiana uniform. He's at nine hundred and twenty six points right now. Any three star recruit, if they came in, if they come in and put up a thousand points, I would have to think that's pretty successful. You know, given kind of what you profile for a three star guy. Al Durham may be a guy that does that too. Now, some of that is circumstance, and he's maybe played more minutes than you would want on good teams because of where Indiana's been and all of that stuff. I just and maybe I'm if you want to say that I'm going a little overboard with it right now, fine, but it's his senior day, and I would like to provide a little balance to what the general narrative has been, and I think this is a good time for empathy and maybe trying to say, hey, did we give this guy a fair shake? In some cases, yes, but I think in other cases, no, and I, th I just think this is a good time to reflect on that. I just think the level of scrutiny wasn't um, on par with the level of player, right? It's like yes, you're picking apart a guy, you know, you expect a guy like Trace Jackson Davis or Romeo Langford or Thomas Bryant or you know, any of these guys that are coming in with this five-star recruit. And I'm not necessarily saying that's fair for even those guys, but it's like, okay, this guy has come in as a player, which I don't even know what his other offers were. I, I noticed the other day on the YouTube channel, we have the video when he committed. It was on, it was basically on like local TV up in, Long Island, which I'm sure there was maybe a couple hundred people watching it when it happened. It wasn't like it was some big deal on ESPN where like where James Blackman uh, was on ESPNU and pulled the hat out and picked IU over Kentucky. No, this was this was a kid that, you know, do, do you not think that if he was the level of recruit, he wouldn't he would have gone to like North Carolina because that's where his brother went. I mean, this, this, he was basically taking the best offer that he got and Tom Cream was willing to give him that chance. But it feels like he's been of no fault of his own. And I'm not defending all the things that he's done on the court because some of them, obviously, when he makes a ridiculous turnover, I'm going to tweet that he made a ridiculous turnover. But at the same time, like I said, I think the level of scrutiny that he's had to face is not on par with the level of player or prospect that he was coming in. And to me, that's kind of where I have a problem with some of the criticism because, I mean, like you said, he's a three-star recruit. He's not. He was not brought in to be... Um, a focal point of, of anything and for a good part of three or four years he has been I mean the first year obviously he his minutes were up and down but really the last three years he's been a pretty big piece of the puzzle and um, you know it's obviously been interesting to watch kind of you know I don't want to say the power struggle but just kind of the back and forth between him and Archie Miller and I think Archie Miller's finally this year accepted him for what he is and he knows that you know there's going to be moments where 
it doesn't look great. And there's going to be moments like the Florida State game where you don't win without him. So you have to be able to. That's part of the reason Archie Miller's being paid three or four million a year. Is he's got to be able to see from the get-go what which Devontae Green he's getting that game and deploy him as you know as necessary. Um it'd be cool to see him get a thousand career points, right? I mean he's nine twenty six. I mean it'd be great. I think if he gets to a thousand that that's that's that a good sign for Indiana. <laughs> things things have gone well for Indiana. So yeah. yeah, I mean I I you know always with senior day, I just you know I hope these guys are blocking out any of the negativity throughout the course of the season because it's coming from everywhere. Uh, one one game goes bad and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, all these tweets are coming out and all this. I just hope they're able to kind of separate that from the, you know, 85, 90% fans that do appreciate them and what they've, what they brought to the program. Cause it would have been easy for both of them to say, Hey, this guy didn't recruit us. We're bailing, but no, they stuck with IU. They didn't stick with Tom Crean. They stuck with IU, which, you know, you always hear, they sign with a coach. Well, they do, but they liked Indiana enough to stay for four years. And I think that should be appreciated. Yeah. And I just, I tend to think in general, senior day is about appreciating what guys are, not what they're not, and not even what they could have been. It's about appreciating the accomplishments that they did have, what they were as players, what they contributed. And so even if you have mixed feelings, I think this weekend is a time to put the negative side of those feelings aside and celebrate what these guys are, what they've done, you know, and, and appreciate their time at Indiana. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that those two guys have good games. I hope it's a, a big day for Indiana. I hope they feel the love from the fans after the game. I, I absolutely expect that they will. Uh, but they, you know, they've had interesting journeys and it's been, a, you know, it's been an interesting time for them to be. Indiana players because it's been a time when the program is not having as much success as fans are used to and there's frustration if fans are going to lash out and they've had four years of sometimes being the ire of that which you know is disappointing but hopefully hopefully this weekend there's a lot of positivity uh, for those guys um, all right so we talked about Wisconsin we got a couple questions on Twitter let's hit a few of these real quick and then I got something before we go I want to I want to ask you okay um, let's hit a few of these uh how many games do you think the Hoosiers can win in the Big Ten tournament the most likely path right now it looks like is Indiana playing in the Wednesday game against Nebraska Cam Mack just got suspended for the Michigan game I have no idea if that's gonna last into the Big Ten tournament obviously it makes them a lot easier to beat if Cam Mack isn't playing um, right. and then I believe if they win that Iowa currently is slated into the 10th slot right or, Six, the, yeah, Six. or the seventh slot. So I think Indiana would play them, which if you're kind of six, right? They play the six. Iowa's the six. Yeah. Wherever, wherever Iowa is, that's, that's what the current path would be. Right, I don't know if it'll right, stay right. there. I think if you're an Indiana fan, that's probably about it. If you have to play Wednesday and of the other teams that you could get matched up against, I would say Iowa's probably the one that you would prefer given the style of play and how they're playing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look, it's the Big Ten tournament. I take nothing for granted because this tournament has just been awful to Indiana. You know, and, and this team, they have won some neutral games, obviously, against Notre Dame, against UConn. Um, you know, so they've proven, while they may not be a great road team, they've, they've certainly proven that they can beat decent teams on a neutral floor. So I think it's, it's certainly possible that they could make a little run. But, boy, if there's ever any event that I just take on a game-by-game basis and try not to get caught up in projecting too far down the road, it's the Big Ten tournament. Um, so any anything I say would just be blowing smoke. 
I would just take the Wednesday game, hope that we win that, and then let's see what the matchup is after that. I mean, if they can get to Friday, I think they've they've done really well. And yes. Really, if they get to Friday, at that point, it's like, all right, we're in the tournament, so why do we care beyond it? Do you, do, do you really want them to play – five games in five days and then go play Thursday. Like this is the whole conversation. Yes. That I've no, had no, I would that... love that because that would get this stupid bit. At some point well, we yeah. got to make a run and get this stupid big 10 tournament narrative. I'm so sick of talking about it. I'd rather it. see the run being made from a, like a one seat on a Friday where they just pound yes. somebody on Friday and empty the bench and then win two games of the weekend and then five games in five days and then try to go play like Thursday that in be Sacramento. Nice? I mean, that would be like, there, there's a reason some of these, I know some of it's TV, but some of these other conferences are a little bit smarter about their conference tournaments and getting them out of the way and giving your team a chance to recharge a little bit. It's just, oh yeah. man, I, I, if they get to Friday at that point, I think you got to be happy. So that's, that's kind of my, my oh, short for answer. Sure. Uh, the, the only thing you, I mean, you just don't want to lose to Nebraska because at that point it's like, okay. You know, the whole season we've talked about how there's not a quote unquote bad loss on the resume. Well, that would be a bad loss. So yep. that's and that's pretty that's pretty much I mean there's scenarios obviously they can be higher than eleven, but uh at that point you're hoping uh you're you're having to rely on Rutgers winning winning on the road, which is I don't necessarily think that's a yeah at Purdue that's no a, less. Uh, that's a proposition that you want to take. Uh, Seth says, what advice do you have for dealing with sadomasochistic fans that refuse to support this team, win or lose? My advice would be to try to ignore, ignore those fans. Um, I, you know, I think I've talked about this a lot. You know, I think it's really important the way that I try to approach this, you know, just as an Indiana fan and someone who obviously hosts a couple of shows and is, you know, trying to lead useful conversations about the team is, you know, there's a kind of a macro narrative about IU basketball and there's a micro narrative. And, you know, the mac the offseason is a good time for the macro narrative. You know, is the program where we want it to be? Is it where we thought it would be after three years with Archie Miller? Are we satisfied with all of that? You know, the answers to most of, the, most of those questions are probably no. Like, I think we all thought it would be further along. You know, I mean, the conversation from the athletic director when he hired the coach was talking about multiple national championships. So, like, we aren't the ones who set, you know, who set that context. And given that context, things aren't where we want it to be. And that's fine. Like, you can acknowledge that and be disappointed about it. But then there's the other micro of, okay, here we are with this team. You know, and so are you willing to meet this team where they are on a game-by-game -game basis, appreciate wins, appreciate growth, stick with them through the ups and downs, you know, and have realistic expectations for what this particular group of players can do on a game-by-game -game basis? And, you know, I think you've got to be able to separate those two things and be there along with the ride for the team. And so I just don't pay attention to fans that can't do that because I just don't think I don't think they provide anything useful to the conversation. And I've I've kind of stopped even like trying to retweet it or point them out or go after them as you said. I think it's just better you know, if I feel like there might be a difference there where you can have a conversation with them and try and convince them of what I just said, fine. You know, otherwise, and especially if it gets you down and harms your ability to stay in the moment with the team and actually appreciate when they do play a little bit better, even if it isn't up to the ultimate standard, you know, then just ignore them. I think that's the best way to go. And I actually wish, you know, the players would do the same thing. Although, you know, I'm sure the players are on social media checking their mentions and hearing some of the negative things that people say about them, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, if you... If you're a fan and you can't be in the moment and appreciate the wins and the successes and when the team actually shows growth, 
what are you doing? Then just check out until they reach this minimum level where you're going to be interested. That's not how I want to be a fan. That's not how I think fandom should be, but that's just my thoughts on it. I'm not saying I'm right, but that's how I approach it. And if you're asking me for my advice, that's how I would advise anybody else to approach it. Well said. Uh, Danny says, we're down two points with the ball. Ten seconds left. Who should the Hoosiers be running a play for? Trace I mean, Jackson Davis. We've seen who they will run the play for. So, I mean, it's going to Trace. Do you, I mean, do you think that's right? Is that who you would who you would run it for as your yeah. first option? Yes. No questions asked. Who would be... I mean, who else would it be? Well, I, I, that, so that's my next question. If you're drawing it up, who's the secondary option there? I mean, you're probably getting it to Rob, and you're having Rob get Trace the ball. What's your secondary action? Who, who, who are you? Whoever else is open. Whoever else is open if it breaks down. Yeah, but who... I mean, I mean who are you trying to... You know who are you trying to get open? Because to me, I'm thinking it's probably Al Durham. He's been a guy who's made some clutch shots. He's a guy who, you know, if he can get the ball with four or five seconds, if he's open, can take a jumper. If he's not, has shown the ability to drive to the basket and score. So I think he would be the other guy. Um, you know, or obviously, you know, Rob Finnessy has also shown that he can make clutch shots. So you wouldn't mind him in a catch and shoot opportunity either. I'd have Rob second. Just yeah. It's basically you're asking me who do I trust the most on the team besides Trace, and that would be um, – maybe people don't agree with that, but <clears throat> my, my answer is Rob. I, no, if it's – yes. If it's like a catch and shoot with three seconds to go, Rob's the guy that I want taking it because he's proven it. Um, but I guess, yeah, if you can't run it for Trace, then I think given what Indiana's been able to do, if they can you know run Al off some screens, you might be able to get him in a position yeah. where he can get going – uh, and get downhill, and again, he that that's one thing that's you know impressed me. His his aggressiveness throughout a game does seem to wane, and, and I you know I think that's just that's a continued area of growth for him. But he's really emerged as a guy who wants the ball in clutch situations. You know, he's made some clutch shots. I know he took some heat for the shot that he took against Maryland. You know that early three pointer, and you know that's fair. I think you could argue on both sides, but he's shown that he wants to take important shots, and that's. You know, you want to see that from a junior. So yep. I think he's earned a little consideration there is what I'm saying. Um, Okay. None of these. Yeah. So I think that's that's most of the questions. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to hit with you before we get out of here is how do you handicap the rest of the Big Ten race? Who do you think is going to end up being the Big Ten regular season champion based on the schedules that are remaining? Uh I think Indiana will beat Wisconsin, so not I Wisconsin. Um, and then it's Mar State Maryland hosts, and Michigan State are tied, right? They're the other Michigan ones. Michigan State hosts Ohio State. I think Michigan State will win, and Maryland hosts Michigan. I think Maryland will win. So I, I see Maryland and Michigan State splitting the, the title, which would be, I think, pretty spot on in terms of who have been the two best teams. I think, yeah, obviously, the efficiency margin, the numbers say Michigan State's the best team and has been. For most of the season, which I kind of agree agree with, um, when I'm filling out my bracket, that that fact won't be lost upon me. The thing I had for you, wait, wait, is if Michigan uh, does, if Maryland does lose to Michigan, will you log on to Mark Turgeon Twitter just for a few I minutes? <laughs> I always log on to Mark Turgeon Twitter. Any Maryland game, just search Turgeon, and there's like a lot of tweets about. <laughs> Firing Mark Turgeon, and I don't know who Maryland thinks they're going to get because, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like 
I don't think Mark Turgeon's like the next coming of uh, John Wooden because he clearly isn't, but I don't necessarily think he's terrible either. I think he's done a, a decent job. Maybe his tournament results haven't been what people wanted, but I, um, yeah, I could, I, I, as you, as you've seen from my tweets, I get a lot of entertainment um, from Maryland fans complaining about being in first in the big 10, which is a place that Indiana fans will hopefully one day be right. Complaining about being in first place in the big 10. That's, Gotta love complaining about being in first place. It's a good spot to be in. Such a tough spot to be in. I mean, (laughs) so yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, what I was going to ask you is, and I just jotted mine down real quick, quickly. Who, and I can give mine first if you need a minute to think about it. Who would be your first team all Big Ten? Oh, your player boy. of the year, coach of the year, and freshman of the year. Holy I'm moly. Gonna give you, let me give you mine first. You yeah, can tell me if you agree with all of them, you can tell me you agree with the first team all Big Ten. Okay, yeah, go go with yours first. In no particular order, I've got Io, mm. Cassius, Winston. Yeah, I definitely Cassius. I I, I think Io has got to be there, even though he missed some games. Man, missed he's one just, game. Yeah, he's he's made some massive shots. I mean, he's I I would I would go with him. Io Cassius. Lamar Stevens. I've I've just never been as high on Lamar Stevens as other people. Jalen Smith. Hold that thought. Yes, on Jalen Smith. Actually, actually, I'm going to do a sub. I'm going to take Lamar Stevens out. Sorry. Oh, good. Okay. Io, Io Cassius, Jalen Smith, Daniel Oturu, Luca Garza. I have a really hard time. N- I have a hard time not put not finding room for Xavier Simpson on the All Big Ten team. I love but Xavier Simpson. Yeah, I might be I, his biggest fan. I don't know exactly who I would take out. You know, I mean, Oturu has racked up incredible numbers. There's no question about it. Garza. I think I, I, I think I would almost have Stevens on before another guard. Uh, well, it, I, it just think, depends. Are you trying to put you, together? You can't have, you can't have Garza. Or, you can't. I'm talking about like how it's going to be voted on, like who the best five players are. And I don't think there's any, I don't care what place Minnesota's in. I think Oturu has been one of the five best players in the big 10 this year. Garza clearly has Jalen Smith is. Yeah. I mean, Oturu's numbers are outrageous. And then the two guards, I think are the only, so would you take off IO and put on Simpson? I don't know that you would. I mean, IO has been incredible from just like shot making at end of games and, Look at where Illinois was last year and where they are now, and he's to me one of the I know. primary reasons for that. No, that's it's hard. It's, I, a tu- it's a tough year. It's a tough year for it. It's hard. That's what I mean. I have a hard time not putting Xavier Simpson on there. I don't know of the ones that you mentioned who I would take out though, and you know, so maybe he does end up going on the second team. That's tough, but I mean, it's been a really competitive conference, so I would expect nothing less from the first team discussion. Player of the year is Luca, no question, right? Even. Even though I said I wouldn't give it to him because of his defensive shortcomings, um, 
his offensive. I mean, offensively, he's just outrageous. Profile. He he's he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's outrageous. He's you know he's actually actually protecting the rim a little bit this year. You know he rebounds. Yeah, I I think you have to. I mean, I think the defensive concerns are legitimate, obviously. But yeah, but who would get it over a, him? That's the I know. Thing. That's the I know. Thing now it's like who would get it over him at this point? I know. Like I, said I mean, Ka- Cassius Winston is a guy who has been kind of all offense, not a whole lot of defense either. You know, we don't necessarily right. for some reason we don't hold guards to the same standard with that that we hold big men to sometimes. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it has to be Garza when you're that just incredible offensively. It's it's got to be him. Freshman of the year, Trace. I think I'd go Trace too. Although Co- I, I, although I will say I won't be outraged if Kofi gets it because I think he's been really good too. But I think Trace has been obviously the the, the way I look at it is all right. Kofi's like the second guy on his team. And Trace yes. is clearly the one, number one guy on his team. Now, yes. maybe you say it shouldn't matter, but I say it does matter because obviously there's defenses are they're planning probably pretty, you know, there's a big emphasis on both. But if you want to beat Illinois, you're we got to do something with IO. If you want to beat Indiana, it's all right, Trace can't get 18 points and 15 rebounds on us. So I think that's the difference. But like I said, I wouldn't get, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with either with either of them getting it. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I think context is so important. I think you have to factor in that Trace has stepped in and been that focal point and has that pressure every single game, and mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to get from your guards. <laughs> you know, I mean, that makes it difficult on him. And the guy, you know, that starts next to him has been so up and down. Like he's, he just has so much pressure on him on a game by game basis. And for the most part has come through in such a big way. Uh, Yeah. I might not be outraged if it's Kofi, but to me, Trace is the clear answer. I I mean, given that, I have a feeling, I have a feeling Kofi is going to win it. I mean, I don't know. I, again, I think it would be, I think it'd be ridiculous if he did. I, I really do. I mean, I, I think Kofi's been great, and obviously, I just think a lot of times with voters, they look at all right, they look at the raw numbers, right? They will look at his the averages, and they'll look at like where a team finished. That's and they'll. I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not saying what should happen. Yeah, I'm no, I know, what, I know. What could happen? So just prepare yourself. No, I know. I I think it will. Be, it is probably closer than I think it should be, and maybe it's hard for me to separate. You know, like I've watched every second that Trace has played, so I'm there's going to be some bias there. But you know, to, Plus, to I mean, Kofi was really good against Indiana. I mean, he was basically like a volleyball player out there in the second half. He was, he was. No, there's no was, question it was, about it. It was ridiculous. But like, like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm not. I think it should be Trace, but I, I'm not confident it'll happen. Coach of the year. This is a conversation. This is something we talked about before we hit the record button, and you know, I have some thoughts. So, you know. I it's interesting how these things go because you, know, you talk about Greg Gard and it's like yes they've had a good second half of the season but they were a disaster for half the year it felt like so does he right. get extra credit because he was part of why they struggled early on you know so I always I kind of have a hard time with that you know and I also I don't want to buy too much into narratives but mm-hmm. coach of the year is always about narratives there is a part of me that leans a lot toward Tom Izzo, actually, 
because I think so much about coaching and especially coaching college players is how you help them deal with expectations and you know how you help them psychologically, emotionally, how you pull a team through tough moments, especially when they're tough moments that happen off the court. And you know, it can feel it can feel a little bit self-serving at times, I guess, when you hear Tom Mizzo talk about like how difficult this year has been, how, you know, what he's had to deal with with Cassius Winston, his brother's suicide is the hardest thing he's ever had to deal with. But at the same time, like I think it's you know, I've had my issues with things Tom Mizzo says publicly, but I think it's more him just being candid about what has been a really difficult situation. And so I think for them to kind of go through that as a team, you know, where, you know, the two leaders of your team, I mean, Cassius Winston is dealing with that, Xavier Timson, you know, or uh, Xavier Tillman is dealing with being a father, you know, I mean, I think about what that was like for me, when, you know, when that happened, and then trying to play, you know, high level basketball like that, you know, and and, and trying to pull some of their, you know, their freshmen through tough times. Like I just, I don't feel like a, a, just because you live up to expectations or whatever, that that means that, a you know, you had high expectations coming in, you live up to them, that a coach shouldn't be credited for that. I, I feel like Tom Izzo has done the best coaching job in the conference, given all of those things and to get that team to that point. And I, I see the art, you know, the discussions for other people, but they've really dealt with some unique challenges. Um, and they're the kinds of challenges that could, that I think it really takes a, a seasoned coach and a coach that really has great relationships with his players to do. And, you know, for anything that you can want to say about Tom Izzo, he's got that and he's got Michigan state, like you said, you know, playing like the best team in the conference, especially with efficiency margin and all that stuff. So, I've, I've I've wrestled with it a little bit, but I think I'm kind of settling on him. And I think if I had to go second, I would go with Brad Underwood. And the reason I would go with Brad Underwood is because of the adjustments that he made to his system to adapt to his talent that really seemed to have sprung them forward. And that, to me, is always a really impressive thing that a coach does um, because it's hard. Coaches have systems. They get stubborn. We see it with Archie. And so when coaches adapt and can say, I've got to do the best thing for this group of players, even if it isn't maybe what my calling card is, I think mm -hmm. that's a sign of good coaching. So those are my two guys. I, I agree with you on both. I'm going to say this, though. The, the names that we're going to hear, and I, it'll come from this group. You talked about one of them, guard. Pat Chambers will be the other one because he just popped up on the Naismith National Coach of the Year Award, which, look, I don't have a problem with – recognizing that Pat Chambers has done a pretty good job, but this is year nine, right? This is, I feel like you're giving him this because they finally put together a decent basketball team, not that yes. he did some extraordinary job. So that to me is exactly what you said. It's, this is narrative stuff. The other one, I think that I would, I would feel better about giving it to this guy than I would guard or um, Chambers is Steve Peichel. And that's because he'd be my number three. They were totally incompetent from a basketball standpoint before he got there. Yep. And all right, if you're going to give it to Pat Chambers for doing something in year nine, why wouldn't you at least consider Steve Peichel for doing what he's done in what is it, year four, maybe five? Four. It's taken him less time, and he didn't take over a program that had just went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. He's also took over a program that's probably harder to get players at than Penn State. Mm -hmm. Who thinks about Rutgers as a basketball program? Rutgers hasn't made the pro tournament since 1991. If they make the tournament, I think he's 
third on my list. I agree with you on Izzo from the standpoint of, I mean, they were put on a pedestal before the season. Uh, you know, they were held up and they said, this is the number one team. And it, from that point, the only thing they could do to kind of meet expectations is win the title, right? Anything less is they disappointed them, their disappointment. But obviously with the cash of stuff is, you know, that's, that's beyond basketball, what he went through. That's, and, and to kind of keep that whole thing together and get it moving. And they've been the best team really from, like I said, from the, the numbers standpoint all year, I think he's done a good job. And Brad Underwood, I agree. I mean, I remember before the season, I don't remember who it was we had on the, I don't know if it was Gasaway, but we, I know we talked about Illinois at one point. Um, I may have asked, might have been Eamon that I asked this, do you think Underwood changes his defensive philosophy? And I don't think a lot of people thought he would. And he did. And it changed their, their season around completely. So he, as you said, he, he deserves credit for that. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to, I'll be I'll be surprised if Chambers doesn't win it, and and I, and he would literally be like my fifth choice. I am consistently disappointed with Coach of the Year votes. It, it is always a narrative that just seems really dumb to me. You know, like if you're gonna go with narrative, at least pick a good one. You know, like my National Coach of the Year right now, um, I would have Leonard Hamilton pretty high on the list. And that's I mean, because they actually lost like NBA players from last year's team, and they're still pretty darn good. They're gonna probably get a two seed and have a chance to win the ACC. To me, that's a good coaching job. He doesn't have surefire five-star players. He plays a ton of guys. They play a pretty fun style to watch. They've, you know, beat some really good teams. They're in a tough conference. But the thing to me is, okay, you lost really good players. Like Calipari's on the list. Like, I mean, would you really put somebody that lost to Evansville and had some other really bad losses on the list when they have a, a team of McDonald's All-Americans? I, I just don't think there's anything extraordinary about it. It would be different if they were, you know, had two or three losses and they were number one all year, but they're not. So I just – I I guess maybe the bigger takeaway is these end-of-season awards are are stupid, but we're still going <laughs> to complain about them and dissect them. I mean, they're good awards. It's just the criteria people use to select them is stupid. That's the problem. Anthony Grant from the Dayton same people that, certainly should same, get some consideration yeah, it's too. It's the same people that vote in it, and I, I'm not criticizing fellow media members by any stand, but I, but I think there's just some people. It's like with the AP voting, right? Like there's some people who actually like dig into it and look at other metrics, like they'll look at Ken Palm, they'll look at Sagarin, they'll look at who you've beaten, and there's other people that are just going by record or other people's bat, like think for yourself and kind of come to your own opinion. And I think like, that's the problem. Like we get this now people are going to get this email blast today. They're in the media and they're going to see national coach of the year list. And there's going to be 10 coaches and the big 10 voters are going to see, Oh, there's Pat chambers on there. He's got to be big 10 coach of the year. He's on the Naismith list for national coach of the year. How can he not be a big 10 coach of the year? And I would literally have him fourth or fifth on my list. So, and how can Bruce Pearl be in there? <laughs> like that one's ridiculous. They have not beaten a team ranked higher than I mean their best win I think was thirtieth. Right, that's that's the other thing. Like they they also lost a ton from a really good team, but like again, I, I also have a hard time giving it to anybody that's like been involved in any way with the FBI scandal, right? I'd be yeah, I'd be fine with that criteria. Coaching, like, we talked about that at the beginning a little bit too before we hit record. It's like okay, coaching is not only the on-court performance, but it's also like how you run your program compliance, 
are you cheating? And if you're, if you've been connected with that in any way, I think that has to at least be a consideration. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I agree. That's where we are. All right, Get that was ready. Fun. Mon- it'll, be, it'll be Monday night. I think probably BTN will have a eight hour special. We'll look at the first team in the first two hours. And then like, a, I'm joking, but you know how long and drawn out those BTN postseason award shows are. So it'll be a long drive. I got to ask DeCourcy who he thinks is coach of the year. I'd be interested to hear his answer. I don't really know where he would go with it. I'm guessing he would go Pykele. If I had to guess, that's who I would guess he would say. But I don't really know. I don't think Underwood's going to get really a, much of a sniff, but I think he... I think that's ridiculous. right in the mix. I mean, yeah, I... It's. I mean, what he did is hard to do. Not a lot of coaches will do it, but I think he's. I think he's done a really good job. All right. Anything else to cover? I think we pretty much hit it all. Um, we'll come back next week. I don't know when we'll record, um, but you know we'll obviously have the Big Ten tournament to talk about. Hopefully, we've got a win over Wisconsin to talk about. Start looking forward. Andy will have his uh, daily bracket updates coming. So make sure that you stay tuned to InsideTheHall.com for. Uh, for Andy Bottoms bracket projections, just remember, there's going to be a lot of there's bracketologists on ESPN. There's a lot of other bracketologists at uh, big media outlets. Almost all of them uh, fall well below Andy and Coach Tonsoni at Delphi Bracketology and some of these other folks that have done it independently for a long time. And uh, you can always just go to bracketmatrix.com, see who actually has a track record of success with this kind of stuff. Andy's one of them, so pay attention to what he has to say. It's going to be interesting to see what. Uh, what happens, but certainly we feel better about the position Indiana's in now. For, you know, this is a better place than we've been in for four years. So that's that is good. <laughs> that is good. All right, enjoy uh, watching Nate Reavers live on Saturday, Alex. I'm sure, it's Will. gonna be it's gonna be a special day for you. I'll live tweet his every movement. Please do, <laughs> just for you and Bart. Yeah, and Bart. All right, everybody, go Hoosiers. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast on the Brink. We always appreciate you being here. Remember to join me and my co-hosts for more IU basketball talk at assemblycall.com and visit Alex over at insidethehall.com for complete coverage of Indiana basketball. If you want to support Podcast on the Brink, here is the single best way to do it. Tell anyone you know who loves IU hoops about us and suggest that they subscribe. Podcast on the Brink can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Tell your social media followers, email your friends, text your family members. For weekly discussion about IU basketball, they need to be subscribed to Podcast on the Brink. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.